0: We're going to begin a new series next week. We're going to talk about the power of gentle persuasion. Um, We're in a time where gentle persuasion and harsh rhetoric kind of clash with one another. And what we're going to talk about biblically is um, the sense that if you're going to change somebody's mind, forcefulness can work. If you're going to change their heart, that doesn't work as well. And gentleness is required to change somebody's heart. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, beginning next week. Um, today we're finishing up a series where we've been talking about the uncontrollable sin and that is referring to coveting we've been saying a couple things and this is the last time we'll do it week by week just to give us kind of a sense for what the Bible tells us about the sin of coveting again it's the 10th Commandment thou shalt not covet the neighbor's wife or goods um, It's it's What the Bible seems to indicate is that coveting counts, and it was Jesus who made coveting count again. Here's what Jesus said. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. He went on to say, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And what Jesus indicates, if we control our behavior, but don't control our thoughts, we're placed in the same line as somebody who didn't control their behavior. That's the way it is with uh, murder. Anger counts the way it is with adultery. Lust counts. Um, So coveting counts, and surprisingly, um, it also is reflected biblically that coveting is uncontrollable. It's uncontrollable. Look what Paul says, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of covetous desire but apart from for apart from law sin is dead Um, because coveting is something that if you try to keep it under the surface it ends up propelling coveting we have to be careful with how we seek to control it it counts But it's not easy to control, and that's why we're thinking of why. how can we control an uncontrollable sin. Um, What we've looked at is that it's not something that happens easily, and we're talking about the fact that practice makes perfect. But it says, "...consider it pure joy," James says, my brothers, "...whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance." Perseverance must finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It says perseverance must finish its work, so that you must be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, to be mature and complete literally means to be perfect. And the word for perfect here is not talking about morally perfect. It's talking more about being useful than being perfect. Kind of spotless or blameless. It's describing somebody who has been developed to be useful. And that's what the word uses in the context. Usefulness is developed by trials which require perseverance. And this is what this verse is saying that if we're going to be useful to God, the Pathway to usefulness will require that we go through difficult times, learning how to kind of to stay in a situation where we'd rather not remain in this situation if we had a choice, but we can't, so we have to learn to stay put, that's what the Bible seems to say. How do we learn to persevere? We're just gonna make three points in this final uh time. We're gonna say it's it's a matter of three things. And we've seen these before from Paul's letter to the Philippians, which, interestingly enough, he writes from jail. And so being in a place where he would rather not have been, Paul tells us about what it is that will allow us to learn to persevere. And we're going to talk about three things. Present, ponder, and repeat. Present, ponder. And repeat let's break them down let's look at them one at a time present but it says rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus notice a couple things we talked about the five steps and we'll talk about them at the end they are be real be still speak freely wait perseveringly and respond gently how do we control covering and again we'll show these at the end but we've been looking at this now for a couple of weeks they are five steps Be real, be still, speak freely. That leads to waiting perseveringly and responding gently. Presenting God's request leads to gentleness. That's what it seems to suggest here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. How in the world can we let our gentleness be evident to all? when we're in, when we're experiencing things that we don't want to experience, gentleness is not always the first reaction that comes up when we scoop stuff out of our heart. We don't come up with a, a clump of gentleness. We come up with a clump of anger, or how in the world can we come up with gentleness? How does that work? And what it says, if we present our requests to him, The peace of God will protect our hearts and bring us to a place that we will, little by little, be able to react more gently to circumstances that require us to endure. Now, I want to be careful here. This is not a point in time, it'll happen tomorrow. The Bible we have to put it into practice. That's the deal. Practice makes perfect. And what we're gonna see, the change that God makes in our lives doesn't come with a whoosh. It's not the way it works. I wish it was, but it requires time and it requires practice. And we're gonna talk about what it is that we can put into practice. But what it says about God's peace is that God dispatches his peace to protect our minds and hearts and to produce gentleness, and he does this when we present our requests to him. It says, present your requests, and when we present our requests, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guards our hearts and minds, and that's the way this works. God's peace, then, is not a feeling. So to have God's peace doesn't mean that you'll feel peaceful. That's not what it's about. Experiencing God's peace means that there is enough focus to be able to think about what God is saying. Think about what God is promising. That's what God's peace allows. It doesn't screen out the things that we might not want to look at in our lives. And all of us have those things. We have things in our life that we don't want to have. We we have things we don't want to have. We do things we don't want to do. We've feel things we don't want to feel and we think things we don't want to think is that accurate of course it is we all have frustrations and those things are not going to go away what God's peace does it allows us not only to see our problems but to see God's promises at the same time and that can work what we end up doing is touching our problems and touching God's hand at the same time and that allows us to persevere but it's, a, it's a, a thing that is built over time. It's important to understand that when we present our requests to God, we do so and we're not promised that we're gonna get what we want. That's not what it says here. It doesn't say present your request to God and he'll give you whatever you ask for. It's not what it says here. It says present your request to God and what will he give? His peace. The peace of god will kind of create a protective perimeter that will allow your heart and mind to see not only the challenges in your life but the promises that god makes and that's and that process is is something that takes time god doesn't want and i and I, i'll say this if you come up with anything from this this is really true and it's, it's kind of surprising Uh, The fact is that um, God doesn't want to remove our distress. Not now. He doesn't remove things that we have to endure. Because let perseverance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perseverance is what God uses to cultivate in us the things that will make us useful. So when we present our request, he's not going to necessarily remove our tension. We're going to have things that are going to concern us, but what he will do is give us a, an ability to think about what his promises are, and it allows us to persevere. After we have presented our request and experienced God's peace, then we are told, let me look, let me show you what it says. We are told to, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And what this is telling us is as we think, and present our request to him, what he asks us to do, present your request, and ponder what's positive now, I think you'd agree with me. is this natural for us? We very naturally think about things that are threatening things that are problem we we focus on that and what God tells us is after we present our requests what he wants us to do, present and then ponder ponder what's positive. Um, I guess what it says is he wants us to count our blessings. Now, this is really important, is really important. Don't jump over step one. Some people, what they do, is they pretend that their life is fine and they jump right over to step two, which is ponder what's positive, without having first presented the request. That doesn't work. What that ends up doing, it ends up pushing things under the water. It pushes things, so things that we don't want to feel and think, we kind of push those so we don't think about them, and we think, well, I don't think about them, that means that if they're okay and other people don't see them, but here's the problem with that. Um, It says in both the Old and New Testament of the Bible, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What this is saying is when we push stuff down under the water, things that we don't want to feel and think, God already sees it. He cares about it. He wants us to learn to present our requests to him. And when we jump over step one and we don't present our requests, but we jump into God's presence and, and tell him all the things that he wants us to, to, to say, you know, God, how you know, it's fit. thank God for the weather. And thank God that we get to live in America. But don't jump over presenting your requests. What that ends up doing, you know, have you ever been to the beach? I mean, yeah, you've been to the beach. Have you ever been to the beach and keep a beach ball under the water? ever try to do that? You step on it and and the beach ball wants to pop out of the water. And it takes a lot of energy to keep beach balls under the water. You know what unwanted thoughts and feelings are like? Beach balls. We try to keep, and we have to we have to deploy a lot of energy to keep unwanted, unwelcome feelings under the water. You know what God says? Surface them. Surface them. Present your requests to me. And then ponder what's positive. Present, then Ponder, it doesn't take God's peace to focus on what is wrong. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me that it's pretty natural to focus on what's wrong? What's threatening? What's problematical? That verse, whatever is noble, it's easy to focus on what's ignoble. Whatever's right, it's easy to focus on what's wrong. Whatever is pure, easy to focus on what's impure. Whatever is lovely, easy to focus on what's ugly. Whatever is admirable. You understand what I mean? We don't have to be told what taught how to focus on what's negative. What God tells us is present and ponder. Present your requests and ponder what's positive, the things that he um, does. Uh, and then repeat. That's what it says. Um... Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Whatever you have learned and seen and heard, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. It's interesting, when we present our request, the peace of God is with us, and as we practice these things, The God of peace is with us. Practice what things? What is he telling us to do in the context? Three things. And I think what we're supposed to do is practice them. What three things? Present, ponder, repeat. Present, your requests. Ponder what's positive, repeat. Practice those things and the God of peace will be with you. The nature of change, God doesn't change us by overwhelming us. It doesn't seem to be the way it works. Change is kind of a habit. Now, there's some things that God wants us to try to form a habit, and this is one of them. What habit? Present, ponder, repeat. I'll tell you what. I'd like to tell you that I have found this, and I've inculcated this into my life as a habit. It's getting better, but I'm working at it. We don't naturally present our requests and ponder what's positive, but this is what God wants us to work at. Now, let me tell you, this is not going to be something that you're going to be able to do overnight. It's not it, It's not one of those things that's cultivated that easy. It's like a muscle. You exercise it and it will grow stronger over time. So chip away at it and practice these things. Practice what things? Practice presenting and practice pondering, practice presenting. How would you do that? Presenting, the first three things. Be real, be still, speak freely with God. Be real. Um, The greatest thrill, the greatest threat to spiritual honesty is hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy is? It's keeping the baseball under the water and again that's we know we don't we can't be forthcoming with everyone there's some individuals that it's just not safe to tell the truth to but there's some who are can I tell you something about God listen to me there's some people that we can't tell the truth to because it'll break their heart right there's some people that if you told them what you really felt, it would crush them. Their heart is big enough, but their shoulders aren't. And so you have to kind of withhold. There are some people, you're not going to break their heart, but be, but their shoulders aren't big enough, and so it it they just don't care. There's some people who aren't strong enough to, to hear the truth. You know what I mean? Some people who don't care enough, some people who aren't strong enough, God is neither uncaring nor unable to tolerate what you have to say to him. He says, tune into his sympathy. You know why Jesus came? So that he could understand what it's like to have different feelings. Jesus wanted to die and he didn't want to die. And he was honest about that. And the reason why Jesus came to experience that, so that he could hear you talk about what you need, and he could say, I understand exactly what it's like to have needs. God's heart is big, but he's also in control. And therefore, if you tell God about what you're thinking, it's not going to make God nervous. God's not going to stomp around and feel bad about being God. He's very, God's very secure in who he is. Um, it says, God will judge men's hearts. Here's what it's saying. Um In the final analysis, God already sees what's hidden. Would you agree with me? Because of what God kind of demonstrated when he sent Jesus, he is safe. And what he wants us to learn slowly is to present a request to him, to be real with him. To tell him what we actually think and feel. He is not offended when we don't tell him the truth. He's not, excuse me, he's not offended when we tell him the truth. He's offended when we don't. And what he would say is, what is it about me that would cause you to withhold that? Do you think I don't see you? Do you think I don't care about you? With God, both things are true. He sees and he cares. Um, be real. Be still. These verses, if there are two verses in the Bible that I would encourage you to memorize, these are them. And in the morning when you're thinking about um, the day, these are some of the, the, in fact, what I'm gonna say, I'd say practice these, practice them, learn them, and think about them in the morning. Here's what God says, be still. And you know what be still means? We talked about it. Let your arms hang limp at your side. So what it, here's what it says. Present your request to God. Be real. God, I, I'm experiencing this. I experienced that. My job is not what I thought it would be. My relation isn't what I thought it would be. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm anxious about the economy. I see my savings. So you be honest about that. Be real about it. And then what God says is, okay, before you do anything, before you before you do anything, you know what God says? let your arms hang limp at your side. Shh, be still. And you know what He says to us? I am God. I'm going to be exalted in the nations and I'm going to be exalted in the earth. That's Psalm 46:10. You know what else He says? I will never leave you. You know what leave you means? He will never cast you adrift. You have these things, and what God says, I will never cast you adrift. I will never untie you, so you float down the river of fate. Never. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Forsake means leave behind. So here's what God says. I am God. In the end, my purposes are going to be accomplished. I know there's a lot of things out there that are kind of funky. I'm going to win in the end, and I am never going to leave you. And I'm never going to forsake you. Be real, be still. You know what that allows you to do? Do you feel that? It kind of causes you to breathe a little bit. It's not all on me. And I'm not alone. Ain't what God says now? Tell me what you need today. He says Be real, be still, and speak freely express your concerns to god god wants us to learn to come to him when he's distressed when we're distressed and that is what he wants us to practice practice presenting you know what i'd encourage you to do when you get up in the morning i don't know when you talk to god this morning when you're in a walk i don't know some of us are clear in the morning some of us aren't but whenever you talk to god and this is might not feel natural and if it doesn't feel natural i don't want you to give up practice makes perfect practice makes perfect it's not going to be comfortable all of a sudden practice it though practice what Mike? be real be still speak freely practice it be real if you get up tomorrow morning you might say you know what god i have things today that i really don't want to do. I'm doing things I don't want to do. I think. It's not that everything's terrible, but it's not good enough to keep me from being anxious. I feel anxious. Be real. And then be still. Think about God saying, you say that you are God and you will be exalted in the nations and on the earth and you will never leave me and you'll never forsake me. Think about it. And then speak freely. You know what, God? Give me strength today. I have a really hard day. Give me wisdom today. I'm in a situation that I don't want to be in. Give me peace. Those are good things to pray for, by the way. Strength, wisdom, peace, and tell God what you want. Present your requests. wish I had more friends. wish I had better friends. I wish I had a better retirement. I wish my thoughts were easier i wish i didn't have to endure these difficult things be real be still speak freely be real be still speak freely be real be still speak freely put it into practice practice it and then present practice presenting and then practice pondering What it says, even in the middle of difficult things, what can we be thankful for? Because it's not possible to be thankful for, like if you have physical challenges, you say, God, thank you for physical challenges. That sounds hypocritical to me. And I know it's at some point we understand. You know what I would suggest? Um, What he says, if you're in a situation that you have to endure, Remember what that verse said, consider it all joy? Whenever you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, let perseverance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete. One thing you could be thankful for in anything. God, thank you that you're developing perseverance and usefulness in, me, in the midst of this difficult thing. And that is the truth. You can always ponder something positive, something true, something honorable, something admirable, something right, but it takes time to develop. Um, practice persevering, practice presenting, excuse me, then practice pondering. This is a verse, we we'll us read this and then I'm going to close this. It's not easy to persevere. In the wilderness, the Israelites didn't do a really good job. They grumbled and complained and frism, 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 And, and, and let's see what they, they left out because this is going to, this is going to say what the problem was why they didn't do well in the wilderness why they didn't persevere it says therefore since the promise of entering his rest still stands let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it for we also have had the gospel which means good news preached to us just as they did but the message they heard didn't benefit them why good news doesn't benefit you if you don't believe it that's what it says The message they heard was no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now, we who have believed enter that rest. What he wants us to do is develop belief. And here's what I'd like to have you think about in terms of believing. Three things I want you to think about relative to believing. Number one, well, let me show you where they are. believe these things. Psalm 46.10 Hebrews 13.5 If you don't know these, I'm going to suggest that you memorize them and reflect on them. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Think about this. You memorize that? Of course you can. Be still and and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And Hebrews 13.5, God says, Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. Bring that to mind. Be real, be still, speak freely, and you'll find, little by little, little by little, it will lead you to wait perseveringly, and to respond gently. Let's stand for closing prayer. God, the fact is, we have things in our life that we don't want to have. We have things we don't want to have, we do things we don't want to do, we feel things we don't want to feel, and we think things we don't want to think. And we'd like for our life to to be such that we had what we wanted to have and did what we wanted to do and thought what we wanted to think and felt what we wanted to feel, but that doesn't seem to be the way it is. And as we look at your Bible, if we are children, you're going to put us in places where we're going to have to endure. That's how you make us useful. I'd ask that little by little, you would allow us to put these things into practice. What things? Presenting our requests by being real, being still, and speaking freely with you. And not only practice presenting, but practice pondering. And letting our mind think and focus on that which, even though we don't have everything we want, there are things that you tell us that promise that we can be thankful for. And I pray that little by little, as we put these things into practice, that we will become little by little by little more Christ-like. In Jesus' name. Amen. Next week we're going to talk about um, the power of gentle persuasion.